This episode of The Dollop is dedicated to Ron DeSantis and the state of Florida. You're listening to The Dollop. This is an American history podcast where each week I, Dave Anthony, re- I just want to savor that moment. Uh, just Dave Anthony. Is everything okay? Just kind of take it in how great it is. What's going on? Do a history podcast about America with this guy. What? What? What's going? This I don't. I'm just savoring my uh, <laughs> Gareth. My part. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. Get there. Just get through that part fast. You know and I mean? just, I don't think it's fair the way that the we savor your name and mine is. Just, we can just blow through yours, but mine. Here's what I'm. I'm talking to some. Uh, but this whole intro thing has just become so I'm just bizarre. To some sound guys, and we're gonna have like a whole. This is Dave Anthony explosions, jets, uh, just the whole maybe a band, you know, marching band kind of thing. It's not a great. And then uh, sure. And then we're talking. Seems pretty insane. We're talking with the producers sure. about then just leaving it and not having you do your part, just to like trim it up a little bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> that seems very strange. Now, now, just for the intro, and then I'll be on the show. Or what are you You'll talking? Still be about? on the show. I think I've been talking to your manager and your people, and we're thinking it's best if your name never comes up again. You know what I mean? Hmm. It's pretty crazy. So it'll be the Dave Anthony Dollop. And then I'm doing it with a guy, mystery guest. Um, and maybe we'll do some cre- weird mystery sounds, like a music. Oh, what's the mystery? But it's always me. It? Yeah, it'll probably always be you. It's just easier to book you. Probably, yeah. yeah. Anyway, okay. that's where we're well, at with um, the current talks, nego- the negotiations as far as the new contract and everything. Oh, right, right. That whole thing that's yeah invented by a... A lunatic who... Well, yep. new... Okay, sure. If the that's guy who runs the... Huh? Yeah. Guy runs and that, the again, show. is who? Dave Who's that? Anthony. <laughs> Jets. Right. Marching band. Well, it sounds really good. I hope it... I think it'll go really well. I mean, I think... I think whatever okay, you think, so it seems like the right direction, and... We're all on board. Yeah, yeah. No, this is good. This is good. This is great. All right, I think we're in the right this place. Let's start the show. Yeah. Great. Yeah, good. And called it, quote, his jam pad. Jam pad? I'm the fucking hippo guy. Dave, okay. My name's Gary. <laughs> My name's Gary. Wait, is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tiggly Podcast. Okay. This is like Anarchy. On a five-part coefficient. <laughs> My room's Now hit him with the puppy. You both present sick arguments. <laughs> no sleep till hippo. No sleep till hippo. Uh, action part. Hi, Gary. No. I done, my friend. No. No. <laughs> Rhoda. Rhoda in the court. This is funny because um, we get sent, like, this is the ad you're doing, and then it gives us, like, stuff to read and what to talk about. And this one uh, is Helix Sleep, Bill Burr's Labor Day sale copy. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I guess, you, I guess you do burr? Uh, I'll tell you, I, we got the, these mat, the Helix, Helix mattress. It's unbelievable. 
Well, Gareth, we're brought to you, or sorry, Bill, we're brought to you in part by Helix Sleep Mattresses. Uh, a, a fantastic, fantastic. No, this is the greatest. This is by far the greatest. The, this is the greatest mattress you're ever going to use. Bill and I both sleep on these. Uh, Bill loves his. His whole family. Get the whole family in the bed. You're laying in the bed. You're happy in the bed. You got your kids, your wife, and yeah. your wife. She won't leave you alone about the pillow. <laughs> right. Uh, so we've been using, uh, Bill and I have been using the Helix mattress for about like seven, eight years now. It's been a long time. Sleeping is great. Sleeping is wonderful. At minimum. At minimum. The whole process of ordering it, really easy. You just go online. You take a little quiz. It hooks you up with the right mattress. The whole thing shows up to your house in a box. It is a box. It's like these the people on YouTube who are doing unboxing videos. Okay? I don't know who tunes in to watch someone open something. All right? But they... The whole point of this is once you get it open, it's a mattress. I don't need to see the behind the scenes of you unpacking this, okay? Uh, so they offer up to 20 unique mattresses. Uh, they got the award-winning Lux collection, which I have. I have the Dusk Lux. Uh, they got the... When I was a kid, you had one mattress. You had one mattress, and you just got it. You just got the mattress, and you laid on it. And that was it. Yeah. There wasn't even a box spring. If you had a box spring, you were living in a castle. Uh, and uh, they got the Helix Elite collection, which is brand new. Uh, and they got mattresses for big and tall sleepers, even a mattress for kids. So they got it all. They're not, uh, it's no joke. Now they're catering to children with kids' beds. Okay. This society has gone soft, as soft as a Helix, if you want it that soft. So, you know, like I said, take the Helix Sleep Quiz on their website. You find the purpose ma- perfect mattress in under two minutes. And then uh, they give you a 100-night uh, trial, a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your Helix mattress. Uh, it's People are unique, so you want, you want a unique mattress situation for yourself. It's fine. We've, we've gone beyond the point, okay, of where people should be. At this point, civilization is ready to get off of Earth. We have proven it, okay? Uh-huh. If there are 20 kinds of mattresses, you're taking mattress quizzes, okay? I think we're done here. Uh, yeah, we are done. Uh, Helix is offering 25% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners in honor of Labor Day. Go to helixsleep.com slash dollop and use code HELIXPARTNER25. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Uh, we're also brought to you in part by Squarespace. Of course, Squarespace is an all-in-one situation. Domains, websites, online stores, marketing tools, analytics. Uh, they got e-commerce. They got uh, domains, as I said. You can buy a domain just from Squarespace. It's super simple. There's no hidden fees. There's no price hikes. You just get it done. Uh, Gareth, I'm not Bill Burr in this again, No, right? you're Gareth. Gareth and I both have our websites okay. with Squarespace. Right, okay. And uh, and then obsessed with Squarespace, love Squarespace. Dollopodcast.com uh, dollop at Squarespace, where you can get your tour information in there, of course. We sources. got uh, our sources. It's all there. It's all we're all in, 100% in. Yep. I have actually fused with Squarespace. I am part. Uh, Is that right? Yeah. It's uh, it's a tragic. Huh, uh, have you ever seen The Fly, the movie The Fly? I have. So it's like you're like that with Squarespace. It's like that, but it's with the company Squarespace. Uh, so I just it's know insane. a lot of stuff. And if you need websites, you can come to me because I'm part website. Sure. 
Uh, they also have analytics. Uh, they got traffic overview and visitor insights and activity log and sales analytics. And uh, they got a purchase funnel, which is so great because I don't even know what that is. Uh, so they got everything you need. We use them. We started using it before, you know, they started advertising with us. We were, uh, we were on board with Squarespace. Yeah, a lot of people think that we started Squarespace because, right. of, our, because of our interest. So I don't know how I'm going to reverse the process and become part not uh, a Squarespace <laughs> website company. but uh, well, well, it might help the new intro you're talking about, honestly. So we recommend it. Uh, they make great websites. Uh, they're easy to use. They got all kinds of templates. They look really good. They're, uh, they got 24-7 support. Yep. It's everything you need. It's really every single thing you need. You don't have to update stuff like you do other things. It just happens. So go to squarespace.com slash dollop for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code dollop to save 10% on your first purchase of a website or domain. Um, we are also going on tour. Did you know that? I do. I think October 7th? We'll yeah, October 7th. We're going to be in Bloomington at the Buskirk Chumley Theater. Now, that's the only show uh, that won't be masked um, because that was yes. a bit of an issue at that theater. Uh, then October 10th, we'll be in Chicago. Uh, October 11th, Milwaukee. October 12th, Madison. October 14th, St. Paul. That's our fall tour. That's the whole shebang. And uh, you go to dolloppodcast.com yep. slash tour. Uh, get your ticket link. 1806. I knew it. How did you know? Did you hear me say it? I just, I'm getting better at these. No, are I you, know. Are you I vibing, bro? Are you vibing? I'm, vi- I'm, I'm on Molly. Okay. Uh, Thomas H. was born into slavery. Uh, I was going to make a great how he couldn't afford a last name joke, but uh-huh, uh-huh. there we go. There you go, making uh, comedy impossible again. Yeah. I guess his name at this time would be Hawes, H-E-W-E-S, so maybe Thomas Hawes. So he said his parents were very aware of the destiny of the inevitable suffering in store for their children because they were born into slavery. Sure. Uh, they would discuss their kids' right. just upcoming misery, and they would just cry as they talked about their kids eventually being uh, taken from them and sold and maybe never seeing them again or hearing uh, from them again. We're coming out hot. So, yeah. Yeah, it's really lot fertile, fertile land here. Make a joke. You're the comedy guy. Uh, boy, what a... Absolute nightmare this country's history is. <laughs> <laughs> they were owned by a Mr. Haas. He did not employ an overseer. Instead, he did it himself with the help of his son, Enoch. Enoch. Okay. Enoch. Um, is that is it Enoch? Enoch? better? Or? It's a terrible name. I uh, think Enoch, but I, I know it, nothing. I think it's, I think, I mean, it depends. But I think that having... Well, I guess the overseer wouldn't matter. It's just how you're treated, right? Uh, Hawes is not a good... Right. But he, he's very cruel to his okay. slaves. Um, so once a year, they Got get uh, shoes, a blanket, a hat, and five year yards of very coarse homespun cotton from which they would make their clothes. Oh, my God. So he'd be like, here's oh some shitty God, stuff. This is just... Here, uh, you know, um, make once it last. a year. Once a year. Yeah. They got uh, they got a frock for each child they had. Um, 
and then they get one peck of corn a week. Uh, uh, what is a peck? How much is a peck? About eight quarts. Eight quarts? That's all they get okay. to Okay. So it's they, not a lot of corn. They would uh, grind it and make bread out of it and other stuff. Uh, they didn't get. They got no meat. They got no butter. They got no milk. Just the just the corn. Wait, that was all they got? Yeah, they they corned it up. And they went to Corn Town. During planting and harvest seasons, they had to work very early uh, and they were up very late. So they would have to get up at three a.m. and work until it was dark. What is the plan here? What? Is this the- your first episode without me? Because this would be very easily be that one. I'm trying to help you out with uh, your lack of historical knowledge. Well, it's really problematic, and I feel like I don't want to know it anymore now. So we're good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So after they worked that full day, then they would have to make their dinner, and they would have to make breakfast the next day. Um, They worked in the fields. They would clear new land. They'd chop and burn brushes. They'd uh, burn... uh, tar kilns and they dig ditches and then they you know harvest and plant so this is this is what thomas does for the first nine years of his life i don't know when he started working but i'm imagining it was like when he was four or something or you know like i would imagine as soon as you were able pretty uh like we did with my kid get him working really young right yeah no a lot of people have said that that's a fine comparison to make for sure um so then one day a guy comes to the door. His name is Abraham. Uh, he's a slave owned by a guy named Mr. Jones, and he tells Thomas that Mr. Jones has bought him and said, quote, Tom, you must go with me. So he's nine. Uh, so that's time to get out. That's time to, you know, for the baby bird to fly, right? The, the, sorry, Abraham is a slave? Yes, and, and he tells, he's like, Thomas is coming with me. Yeah, because someone, because Abraham's owner bought, uh, bought Tom. Thomas. And okay. so Tom, nine. Thomas, yeah, nine years old. So he's scared, obviously. He cries. And his mom said, you know, quote, I can't save you, Tommy. Master has sold you. You must go. So that's it. Uh, so he, he, makes, uh, he makes the long walk to. Oh, I thought you uh, meant that was the end of the episode. I was like. No, it keeps what? going. Okay. There, he makes a long walk to Wilmington. Uh, it's about 45 miles. And they don't, they're walking. Sure. They're not on a horse. Uh, he said Abraham was pretty heartless. Um, they walked in the, in the cold. Uh, he wasn't dressed for the cold. So he, he was just like, he's nine. So he's like, I got to sit down. I got to stop. Yeah, he's nine. I think saying he's nine is. So, so uh, Abraham's like, no, you're not stopping. And finally, he just lays down and goes, I'm going to just do this. And then Abraham gives in and finds them shelter in a cabin for the night. And then the next morning, they finish the walk. So 45 miles in a couple of days. So it gets his new place. His new job with the Joneses is to take care of an old gray horse, get spring water for the house, do errands uh, at Mr. Jones' store, clean boots and shoes of white family members and white visitors, sweep rooms, uh, get the firewood. So it's a pretty big shift. Uh, he works from dawn until sometimes sure. midnight. How, did the, how, how, are they, how do they scout him specifically? Like, why? I, think, why? I, I would imagine, based on the, ad, the newspapers I've seen, there's a post in the paper or whatever, and, and you, it's a for sale sign, and uh, they just go, hey, I have a nine-year-old boy I'm looking to uh, get rid of. And then some guy's like, what's he like? Good worker, you know. What's he like? He's nine. Uh, you know, he's a kid. 
Yeah, he's uh, he wants to be playing ball, but uh, well, we're doing this instead. So one day uh, he's he's working and he thinks starts thinking about his family and he's just over overcome with depression and he just sits down and he just doesn't work that day. Quote: The next morning, my master made me strip off my shirt and then wrap me with a cowhide and then whipped me with a cowhide till the blood ran trickling down upon the floor. Uh, so his master's swearing a lot. Uh, he says, he says, he says, look, there's only one way you're going to avoid a whipping, and that's to do your work. It doesn't matter if you're sick or sad or healthy, whatever, you get the work done. Which is how you treat nine I'm still here, yeah. I'm, I'm I know, here. I know, I know, it's okay. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. they're hard at the start. Yeah, I don't want you to think there's, like, issues. Yeah. yeah. White people should yeah. uh, hear this, you especially. No, well, I don't know. I don't like the especially, but yes, of course they should. Um, so three years later, he is in town and he's buying a watermelon off a cart. So the guy in the street has a okay. cart of watermelons, uh, and it's another it's another slave that's selling it. And and the okay. guy uh, the guy says, "Well, you don't have enough money." Like he only had whatever three dollars or whatever. He goes, "There's six. Um, and then he's like, "Well, who who's your owner?" Sick. That that can't that can't be the right price, can it be? They were I was reading the story. I think it was six dollars. Like I don't I don't really get it, but it might have been six Jesus cents. Christ. And then they it was misinterpreted uh, or whatever. But yeah, that's pretty expensive. So the dude starts asking questions. He's like, "Who who who's your owner?" Uh, and they tells him, and he goes, "Oh, well, who's your mom?" And then he really zeroes in, and Thomas uh, tells him all these answers. And then he said, "Quote." He then laid the melon on the cart and took me in his arms and hugged and kissed me and said, you are my child. So this is his dad. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. So do I get that? What's the watermelon discount? Is that, can I, will you lower the rate a little bit? Dad discount? Uh, he had to charge him double. Do I get a dad's count? The, there's the opposite for Damn family it. discount. Yeah, you get a double fee. This is a brutal country. This is yeah. a brutal country. <laughs> so... So uh, he goes back and he tells Miss Jones, he goes, I saw my dad in town. And she goes, well, go get him and bring him back. So he runs and he gets his dad and his dad comes and she's super nice to him. And she says, we're treating your son really well. Quote, he has been a good boy since he has been with me. If he behaves well, I will treat him well, which is a weird threat. Like, uh <laughs> Well, it's also, it's just like, it just the, the measuring stick of quality of life is so ridiculous. Oh, know? 100%. It's like, oh, well, yes, don't worry. I'm treating your, I'm treating your son well. He's my slave. He, wor- he only works yeah, all day Yeah, I treat him really long. well for a slave. It's pretty good, and my husband beat him, and yeah, we're treating him great. Uh, so... His father, it turns out, lives 20 miles away, and she tells him, you know, whenever you're in town, please come visit. So now he has a connection with his dad again, at least. Okay. Um, yeah. After a little bit, he's, he's sent to work in the family store, and the store clerk, David Kojal, uh, is very nice to him. And, he, and Kojal's also nice to other slaves. Uh, and so Mr. Jones is like, I, that, I don't like that. And also, it that offends other slave owners when they come in and see a white guy being nice to slaves. They're like, "What is going right, on?" Because they're shop, like, dude. "Come on, I thought we were all going to be dickheads." 
So Mr. Jones, Mr. Jones admits that uh, cordial, cordial is um, he's trustworthy and he's valuable, but he's like, I got to fire you. I got to look. I like what you're doing. Like, I like you're really organized. You're very good with the money. You're very good with management. But um, we have. I mean, it's an attitude. Problem. There's a there's a code. There's a code yeah, here. We uh, you're I, yeah. I mean, if you if you could find it within yourself to be meaner to slaves, I could probably keep you around. But right now, the attitude's not great. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's not. We're I not loving to, the insubordination. And I the want fact. you to come to work, happy to work here, but mad at people we own. Does that make sense? We're looking to have your heart removed. Yeah. Does that and that you could stay then? Does that? Get yes. The empathy. Empathy out. You know what I mean? Let's get rid of that. It's we're going to have an empathy. Va- we have an empathy vacuum that we've been using a lot. Yeah. We we'll just suck it right out of you. It'll be easy. So they fire this guy. We do it through the ass. What? <laughs> they, fire, they fire this guy. They fire the guy who's nice to slaves. Jesus. And he hires okay. a poor, young, white kid named James Dixon, who is the same age as Thomas. So they're in their teens at this point. Um. Yeah, J- Dixon. Well, that is that's also like terrible on top of terrible. Yeah, it, I mean, and I'm not trying to. I'm I'm not trying to like trivialize this. I mean that, but I've told this before. When my mother hired a 12 year old to babysit me when I was 11, yeah, and it was just one good. No, that's weird. Again, that is not. It's not yeah. the same, but. Um. So he's like he like I said, same age as Thomas. He, they're, they're both in their teens. Um, he J- James can Dixon can barely read or write, and he's teaching himself. He's got like spelling books and stuff. Uh, and Dixon is also nice to Thomas, but he ha- he definitely has irritable moments. So he's okay with Jones. You know what I mean? Like he's definitely d- dickish right. sometimes, a little ill mannered. You're a bigger dick. I mean, you got Dick in your last name. You better. So they, uh, Thomas starts to feel comfortable around Dixon. He starts asking about these books that he has, these reading and learning to read and, and, and spell books. And Dixon says, look, I'm trying, I'm trying to learn enough so that someday I can run my own business. And he tells Thomas that okay. a man, man with an education would always have friends and do well in the world without having to work much. Okay. That's the life of an educated sure. man. Now, guys who did not have any learning would not have any friends and would have to work every day. Or they start a podcast with a guy who will just read them the stuff. <laughs> and then he'll do accents. Does that sound good? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. It's also, it's also a good way to handle it, I'd say. So they have this conversation and this kind of the light bulb goes off in Thomas's head and he's like, okay, so I just need to learn how to read and write. And he becomes obsessed with the idea of learning. Sorry, Dave. Sorry. Very, very quickly. When did when was the light bulb invented? Oh, shit. So a little fire happens right above. Yeah, He can't. There's a a candle. A candle's a lit. Can- oh, no, the wick a of a full... candle's lit in his mind. 
It's a giant tree fire right above his head. Okay, sure. It's terrifying. People sure. are okay. scared. That just helps there. Me. As they should be. Yeah, of course. Okay. So he, Thomas starts a brainstorm, right? He's like, how do I get a spelling book? He's trying to think of how to do it. And then he comes up with a plan. And he's cleaning the books. Of the, sorry, he's cleaning the boots of... T- <laughs> He's cleaning the boots of David <laughs> Smith, who runs a printing business. And David seems like a nice guy. He treats, he treats Thomas okay. So, so he asks uh, Smith about getting him a spelling book. And Smith just gets really quiet. And he stares at Thomas for a while. And then he asks why he wants a spelling book. And Thomas says that he wants to learn to read. And Smith shook his head. And said, quote, no, Thomas, it would not answer for me to sell you a book to learn out of. You will only get yourself into trouble if you attempt it. And I advise you to get that foolish notion out of your head as quickly as you can. I like how the, the like, <laughs> the idea that it's like, look, this is Jumanji. Okay, <laughs> just quit sniffing around these spell books. Like, it's so, it's just so fucking bizarre and bad. And I okay? think, I think this guy is like, he thinks he's looking out Genuine? for Thomas. He thinks he's looking out for Thomas. He thinks right. like, if this guy starts reading a book, he's going to get the shit kicked out of him. And he's going to get in trouble. Someone will find it. He's yeah, going to start, Yeah. That's how it comes across. So Thomas well, is not. Well, it's nice to know who the hero is. That's right. I appreciate that at least. So yeah. Thomas is not going to give up. He still wants to learn how to read. So David Smith has a brother, Peter, and Peter owns a bookstore. So he goes to Peter and he says the same thing. And Peter's like, why do you want a spelling book? And this time, Thomas these, is figuring these it out. Question, these follow-ups, these, these <laughs> follow-ups are just, well, what do you, I want to sell it to someone. <laughs> what do you think he wants it for? Thomas has thought about it, and this time he lies. And he says, it's for a white boy who lives at Mr. Jones' house, and he gave me money to buy it. So Peter sells him the spelling book. And uh, Thomas is crazy excited. He... He thinks reading is going to lead him to freedom and influence and happiness. Like, this is his fucking ticket out. And he hides the book under liquor barrels in the smokehouse. See, I would hide it under other books. (laughs) (laughs) Just feels like liquor. They're going to be like, we should get all the liquor out of it. We should drink the liquor. I don't think there's a lot of books laying around. Well, I would hide it under, like, like dirt rather than, like, what are they going to do? They'll probably drink. But okay, I, all right, so he hides it under liquor no, barrels. No, I think, I think he's, he's in charge of that liquor room. Like, he's the one who go, has to go and get the liquor and bring it okay. out. Like, so it's his spot. So Okay, okay. Um, he, he could make out... Um, he could make out the pictures, but that's about it. The words are, and the letters are just crazy random symbols to him. Like, he doesn't know what the fuck it is. And he he goes to James, and he starts, you know, talking about his spelling book. 
and uh, and he asks him to tell him about it. And James laughs because that's crazy, a black guy asking about a spelling book. But then Thomas is like, what's that? And he goes, that's an A. And, uh, and then James goes through the whole alphabet for him. Now, Thomas knows he's going to need help. He's just not going to be able to do this on his own. And so the next day, he goes back to James and he says, hey, can you tell me those, those, that alphabet again? And now James is like, what are you doing? What do you mean you want to know the alphabet hey, again? Hey, buddy. Stop! You, look, don't open Jumanji. <laughs> so, and now he's like, are you trying to read? And he starts grilling him to make sure that Thomas is not trying to read. And then, then he gets angry and he says it's not Thomas's place to try to improve himself. Oh, and God. it's not proper for a slave to learn to read. And he's like, I'm going to tell Mr. Jones. And Thomas now is mad. And they start arguing and really going at it. And Tom, James is using super racist language. And they're yelling at each other. And Thomas is calling him a poor, white, you know, nothing, uh, an ignorant servant. And while they're yelling at each other, Mr. Jones comes in. And Shit. A, white, a black guy can't yell at a white guy. So he now, goes... He just goes over and takes down a whip and, and whips Thomas. And he tells Thomas, I never want to hear you talk back to a white man ever again. So now Thomas hates James. And, and he's like, he has to find another person who's going to help him learn how to read. And there's a boy at the bakery. Right. He's always super nice to Thomas. Ten-year-old boy. And he asks, he's like, will you help me learn how to read? Uh, and the kid tells Thomas the names of the letters, goes over the alphabet with him. And so now Thomas knows a few more letters. Um, so he's, he's, now he's going over them. He goes over the letters every day to try to remember them, right? A, B, C, D. Like, he's, he only knows a few. Right. And um, there's, a, there's a 10-year-old kid, Hiram uh, Brickett, and he comes to the store one day, and this is another kid that he feels like he can trust. And he goes to him, and he goes... Will you help me, and I will pay you uh, six cents a week if you meet me each day at my lunch to tutor me? So the kid says, yes. So every day at noon, they go into a stall in his father's stable, and they go over the book. It's hilarious. It's like spy shit, but it's not... <laughs> It, well, it's almost like it's like trying to buy drugs. It's like yo, you got? Would you do you have a do you have an R? You got any? Act, would you you want to show me <laughs> what, what a K is? Hey, look, I'm just looking, looking, for, I'm a looking for a K. What did you say? Looking for a T I'm and look, an H. I'm just trying to get a little bit of K. <laughs> trying to trying to trying to figure out the vowels. Anyone got the vowels? Looking for the vowels. Looking for the vowels. So they do that for a little while, uh, and then one day a slave boy goes to Hiram's father and he tells him what's going on and Hiram is reprimanded and he's told never to help Thomas again. But at that point, he is reading and spelling two-syllable words. So that's how much... That's okay. how advanced Shit. he got. Huge jump. From a 10-year-old yeah. boy, he learned this basic stuff. At this point, he is studying any free moment he has. He just starts whipping out the book and studying. Now... Um, he, 
Mr. Jones starts to get a little suspicious because Thomas would go into the back room and be really quiet. Like, he's not here to move around. Super quiet in there. And Mr. Jones starts trying to sneak back to catch Thomas at whatever he's doing. But Thomas would, he'd hear his footsteps or he'd see his shadow on the wall and he'd hide the book really quick and start working. Start masturbating. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just jerking off, sir. It's all. Oh, okay. So, but pretty soon he can, he can read five syllable words now. And. Holy shit. And he knows there's a he knows there's a slave who can read, and his name is Ned. And he goes to Ned, and he goes, "You gotta you gotta help me out and take me to the next level." And Ned's like, "I'm not getting involved. That's crazy. Don't do that. It gets really fucking bad." But then Thomas reads to him and goes, "This is how far I can read right now." And Ned's like, "Holy shit! This guy's like almost there." Legit. So he he agrees yeah. to help. And Legitimate. He goes, and he goes, L-E-G-I, <laughs> yeah, okay. And Ned's like, look, you're past the book you're using. You need a new book, uh, one that teaches you how to write, it teaches you how to, to write say. letters and read at the same time. So okay. he, go, he goes to, um, I don't know how this happens, but he goes to uh, the Worcester store in Wilmington and he, he buys it. So somehow he figured out this where he could get a book. Now, Worcester is like the worst word ever. Yeah, he's just like... Yeah, it's awful. No, uh, that that would have stopped me from reading if I was him. I would have been like, all right, well, this is bullshit. None of this I think that's where I sort of stopped. Yeah. Yes. So Thomas gets a box. He gets a box. And inside of it, he puts ink, pens, and a candle. And he keeps it hidden under his bed. And so he's doing late night writing and reading... And uh, then one night he takes it out and he's like, I'm going to write my name. And he writes Thomas Jones and he's fucking over the moon. He can't believe he did this. Hmm. Um, Hmm. So soon afterwards, he's sitting in the back of the store and he's sitting on a barrel and he's just reading his book and he's totally absorbed in it. And Mr. Jones comes in and Thomas doesn't hear him. And at the last second, he sees him and he throws the book in, in the middle of the barrels. And Jones didn't see what he'd thrown, but he knows he threw something. So he's like, you're stealing. You got to be stealing. What was in your hands? You're stealing from me. And he I am. Ordered, yes, I'm stealing. It's liquor. Yes, please. It's <laughs> liquor and cock. It was liquor and cock. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so Jones is like, what was it? Like, he's demanding to know what it was. And Thomas said, I'm not stealing. I didn't throw anything. And Jones is like, you're lying. And he goes, let's start rolling away the barrels. We're going to find whatever the fuck you threw. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, This is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh 
this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there. And Thomas starts rolling the barrels, but as he does, he keeps kicking the book to move it out of view of Mr. Jones, who just stays in the doorway. He never comes in. And he's just getting furious, and he's in a fuel, fuel, full rage. And so he goes and gets his whip, and he orders Thomas to take off his top. Quote, I will make you tell me what it was you had when I came in. And he starts hitting him, and he hits him 30 times. So blood is just flowing down his back. And he goes, tell me what you threw. And Thomas says, I didn't throw anything. And now Jones is fucking losing it. And he's telling Thomas he's lying. He's going to kill me. I'm going to kill you if you don't tell me the truth. He starts whipping him again. He starts whipping him harder. He's just in a total rage. And Thomas is like, I'm going to die instead of giving up the book. I'm not giving up this book. Lord, I would just I I would say a snake. You would say snake. I don't know. I would try. I would come up with something. Yeah, lie. You lie. He just he just something. he's not he's not going to do it. He's just like well, he's probably just. I mean, if he finds the book, he's probably going to get killed anyway. Yeah, right. So he's probably just like this might be a little bit safer. Yeah, I think he thinks maybe this and will. Dave, can I just can I Dave can I just say this quickly? This is the only podcast where two white guys are just popping themselves in the perspective of a slave so complex. Oh, I don't think that's true at all. Um, I think there's a lot of podcasts oh. on the Daily Caller and Ben Shapiro's network and uh, other places where oh, they're well, doing that. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're the most likable ones. Well, do you want to take the perspective of Mr. Jones? Would that make you feel more comfortable? I don't want to have this conversation. I don't even <laughs> want to have this conversation anymore. <laughs> you know, not a lot of people understand that sometimes when you're when you're dealing with this, you, you really are. When you put up a Barbie video that nobody respects, you you basically are <laughs> becoming a slave at that point. You are you are a literal slave. You are as much of a slave as a slave ever was in this country. So he keeps whipping him more, and then. And then he stops. Mr. Jones stops whipping him and says, quote, why, Tom, I didn't think I'd cut you so bad. So he realizes how badly he's fucking whipping him. Can I mean, the idea that if you the he must be bleeding so badly yeah. for that guy to be like, Jesus. Wow. Christ, look at this. This is pretty bad. Holy shit. This is not good. Yeah. Uh, I think he what I think he just saw. Well, it's it's a black guy defying him. I mean, that's what this is. Like, it's 
you know, you're not allowed to do that. So he's just in a blind fucking rage. Like he can't control himself. And then he right. finally at some point is like, holy shit. Um, so he, he tells Thomas, he goes, put on your shirt. And uh, as Thomas does that, he grabs his book and he hides it. Uh, so then he goes home where another slave helps take care of him. And Joan's wife is like, take off your shirt. I want to see your wounds. And at this point, the shirt is dried to his back. And so when they rip it off, he's like, that was worse than the whipping, the pain. And when Jones comes home, his wife is fucking pissed. She's like, you just totally, this is too far. Like you, you went too far. But this does not stop Thomas. Thomas continues to learn to read and write every single chance he gets. This is where I'm out. I'm I'm probably out before, but this is where I'm 100. percent I'm, I'm out. out before. I'm uh, out. Yeah, it, it's it's also so like the idea that it's like the domestic, like the husband's like, boy, my wife really gave me a bunch of shit for how bad I beat this guy. It's like it's very strange when like your domestic issues are like, yeah, you almost murdered a guy. Like, honey, you're in the doghouse. And it may and it may just been the perspective of like you harmed our property, not he's a person. But I feel like it harkens back to the way that I, I feel like it's like when she saw when she talked to his dad and she's like, Oh, we're taking great care of him and all that. Like she yeah. again in like this bizarro whatever backward, upside down inverted empathy was like I pride myself on having some sensitivity towards the amazingly insensitive world we live in. Yeah, I mean, possibly. There's so many shades of how terrible people can be. Um, Yes. One day he's reading, and he reads something in his book about God, and it's just like a sentence or something. And so he goes to another slave who's very religious, and he says, tell me about Jesus. You talking you? You talking J-Town? J-Town. He says, tell me about J-Town. And he goes, well, J-Town's pretty rad. Uh, we don't know what they are yet, but there's a lot of talk about rollerblades. Jet skis. <laughs> Jet skis. Sure, the whole nine. <laughs> so that slave is like, it, it's all about Jesus and to meeting Jesus to have a good and happy life. And, and then he tells Mr. Jones... Right. So Thomas goes to Mr. Jones and he goes, so I've heard about Jesus and I'm kind of into Jesus. And Jones fucking loses it. And he's fucking swearing. I got. And he says he's going to whip him again if he doesn't stop praying. And Jones says, there is no heaven. There's no hell. Christians are hypocrites. And Thomas is like, well, you can whip me. It's not going to stop me from praying. I'm going to pray. And so Jones whips him and then he forbids him from praying and he goes, you can't pray. You can't go to any religious meetings. Thomas quote, the next Sunday I went to a religious meeting and a free man Man. tells Jones that Thomas has gone to the meeting. So he's whipped again in the morning and the next Sunday, Jesus Christ, Thomas goes back. And Jones now like, I'm going to kill you if you don't obey me. And he whips Thomas again. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
And a friend goes to Jones and he says, man, a pious slave, a slave who is religious is way more valuable. So what are you doing? And Jones says he doesn't want his slaves praying and whining about their souls. Oh, my God. This this what a lovely argument. (laughs) Well. It it almost feels like for a minute that that other guy, that other guy was maybe going to be like the voice of reason, like, hey, man, you need to relax. (laughs) So, yeah, your slave is interested in God. There's a more moolah. Yeah, you could get the money from that. Come on. You get more money, buddy. I really think that, I mean, reading this, I really thought that Mr. Jones didn't want them to have a glimmer of hope. And that was why he didn't want him to have religion. He didn't want he didn't want Thomas to think that in the afterlife he would be okay. I also wonder how much is like if there's an afterlife, I am like a vile piece of shit who <laughs> like Yeah, well yeah, that could know. be it. Maybe. I don't know. I wonder I don't maybe there's not that much self awareness. Uh so he is uh this is obviously a bad situation. <laughs> Um, he, he, yes, this time he whips Thomas so badly that Thomas thinks he's going to die. But at the end of the whipping, Thomas said to Jones, I'm still going to pray and I'm going to pray as long as I live. And Jones said, quote, well, then, Tom, I swear that I'll whip you debt to death. And he starts again, but then he just stops and he throws the whip down. A few days later, a Christian leader asked Thomas if he could forgive Jones. He goes, can you forgive this man for what he's doing to you? And Thomas said, I already have, and I'm praying for God to to forgive him. And then the guy says, you are a Christian. You are a full-blown Christian. And Thomas is super excited. And he goes and he tells Jones' wife, He's a Christian, and he's full in on Jesus. He's in the J-Town train. And uh, he goes and he tells uh, Dixon, who's like, you're a fucking idiot, and you're going to get whipped again. And then Jones comes to talk to him, and he's like, I should whip you again. And Thomas just starts taking off his clothes. And then Jones is like, you're fucking crazy. Keep your clothes on. And this time he whips him with his jacket on. So it doesn't really do much. And that's the last time Jones is, ever whips a, it, Thomas. Uh, he, broke, he broke Jones. Well, I will which is great. Yeah. There is the idea that it's like, no, don't take your clothes off. <laughs> I'm going to you Like, it's that moment where you're like, oh, wow, he's changed. And he's like, no, nah, he's still like, well, it's not like I'm the still- super sweet gesture maybe that I felt... Like, you could hear, like, the music swelling, like, hold on. I'll just whip you with your clothes on. Okay. Uh, So at this point, Thomas is 18. So now, Jones is broken. Jones Jones, realizes he cannot, he's not going to be able to break Thomas, no matter what the fuck. His choice is now to kill him or to give in, and Mr. Jones gives in to Thomas. Wow. Wow. To go to religious meetings, if you're a slave, you need a piece of paper 
that you carry with you that says you have permission to attend religious meetings. So Thomas joins a church and, oh, sorry, Jones gives him that. So he's always got this piece of paper on him. So he can, if he's walking somewhere, he can go, I'm going to this religious meeting. He joins a church. He studies at the church. um, But now he's got everything he wanted. And he's, he's depressed. He Thomas is? He can't take the studies as far as he wants because he realizes actual improvement is not an option for a slave. Like, this is finding Jesus, learning how to read. Right. Like, that's, like, the extent of it. So he's just, at t- the age 23, he's in total despair. Right around this time, Mr. Jones falls ill on a Sunday, and he dies on a Friday. Nice. And then a man named Owen Holmes comes and buys Thomas for $435. Now, Holmes is the complete opposite of Jones. And he treats Thomas with kindness, you know, whatever, how much of respect. But he treats him very, very well. He treats all his slaves well. And Thomas is now like, I'm lonely. I want a wife. Like, I want to start having, you know, a family. So he starts looking. I don't know, Tinder, whatever. Uh, and sure. So it's kind of hard to wrap your head around this. When you find a wife and you're a slave, it's not permanent because that person can be sold away at any time. So you're wa- like yeah, when, right. when you or I get married, we're like, okay, so it's till we're old and whatever. But this is like, maybe it's not. I'm, I have no control over right. any of this. And you're talking about yeah, it's like a, she like has a, a different she has a different owner than you do, so it's a whole fucked up. Yeah. So that's part of the factor into how you're factoring into how you know what you're going to do. But he's like, I'm still going to, I still want a wife. I, I'm I'm lonely. Um. And he's and you know they're they're slaves, so they've seen this a bunch. They've seen people sold off. They've seen it's like common. Um, so he meets and marries yeah. uh, Lucilla Smith. She's 17 years old. And he says, quote, I love her with all my heart. And they spend a lot of time talking about, you know, the hor- horrifying possibility of them being separated. And then Thomas makes a deal with his owner. He pays Holmes $150 a year to work. And then he gets to keep the rest of the money that he earns. So okay, he so he's now going out, getting jobs, and as long as he gives Holmes one hundred fifty bucks, he can do what he wants and keep the rest. Right. Um, So he starts making money. He rents a house. He gets a job loading ships for a dollar or buck twenty five a day. Um, If he has a disagreement with someone that he works for, his owner Holmes would come and make that person settle. Like there is a captain named Adams and he, and after Thomas does the job, he's like, okay, so here's what we agreed to. And the guy's like, I'm not going to pay you that. And so Thomas goes to Holmes and Holmes goes, you had made an agreement beforehand. How much you be paid? He goes, yeah. So Holmes walks over, uh, pick, takes a pistol and then he grabs a really long knife and Thomas is like, you don't need, you don't need those. And Holmes said, quote, oh, you never mind. I'm going to get your money. And they All right. Go- I mean, if you feel like you got to have them, sure. <laughs> I mean, if you got to cut the guy, you know, let's do this. Okay, sure. 
Yeah, this, so this they sword the, might work. <laughs> they go and they find the captain. And uh, and he Holmes talks to him and he goes, you guys made an agreement on this money and now you're not paying him. And Holmes asks why. He goes, why don't you pay what you agreed to? And the captain said, Thomas is asking for too much. And he's like, well, you agreed. And then Thomas says, look, I can. He, I guess there's something where he can put a hold on the ship. He can say, I have a financial disagreement with the ship, and then the ship can't leave. So he's like, I'll put a hold on okay. the ship. And right when he says that, the, the captain has a partner who comes out, and he goes, just pay the guy. Just pay him. And so uh, the, the captain goes to hand Holmes the money, and Holmes goes, no, no, you don't give me that money. You put it in Thomas's hand. And so the captain has to go Jesus. over and put it in Thomas's hand. So this is now Good he's... Lord. Right? He's like, this is a guy who's like... He's got some muscle. He's yeah. got some muscle, but he's also got a little bit of a soul compared to everyone else around, right? He's like, yeah, no, right. That's what I mean. Guy. He's got like, yeah, someone yeah, on he his just behalf for- to be like, look, dude. He just forced a white guy to treat, treat a black guy with respect. I mean, essentially, a slave. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so he makes he makes really good money while he's working while he's owned. Sorry, owned by Holmes while he's working. You know, paying him the hundred fifty bucks. Um, sometimes he'd make three dollars a day. In one time in eight days, he made fifty bucks. So he's making money and he's saving it up. Hmm. Um, when his father was really old, he he wants to care for him and. He has a Baptist deacon, who's a white guy, offer 50 bucks a year if they, to take away uh, his dad and, quote, in this way, I secured his liber- liberty. While he was 20 miles from me, I could not take care of him when he was sick, but after he was removed to my house, I could attend to his wants. So he take, he's now taking care mm-hmm. of his dad. Uh, his dad mm-hmm. died... It was like two or three years he took care of his dad. His dad died in April 1848. And at some point, he learns his mother mm-hmm. is just old and broken down after not the, the hard laborers. Like, it's crazy how short their lifespan is. So she's way under what you would think someone should be. She's just broken down from the years of labor. And right. so he walks 85 miles to the plantation he was born at. Ugh. And... She's alone. The guy sold off, you know, her husband and her kids, and she's she's just in bad shape. So he he asks if he can take care of her. He's like, I want, I would like to take my mother. And Mrs. Hawes is like, absolutely not. Uh, she's quote bitterly opposed. She's like, you're not taking her, even though she she's of no value as far as work goes anymore. She's literally bedridden. Yeah, right. No, but she's like, you're not taking yes, her. Yes, but come on, Dave. I mean, what do you? Yeah, what do you expect? I mean, come on. So finally, Mister Hawes is like, just let's just agree to this so we can get rid. Like to them, it's a a burden gone, right? They don't have to feed her. They don't have to do anything. So they finally agree and they let Thomas take Jesus her. Jesus Christ! His mom bursts into tears, like she's overjoyed. They have to take her on beds to a boat, and then they put her on the boat, mm. and then they take her. And it, it's this uh, Methodist guy who finds the boat for him, and and then they get to where they're going, and they need another bed. And the guy's like, "I'll give you my bed." And so they take the Methodist bed, and they carry the Methodist. Her. Yeah, Jesus they carry Christ. her to Thomas's house. So now that's where she lives the final three years of her life with with her son with Holmes. And Holmes's property or whatever. Thomas with Thomas. Yeah, but at 
who's you said his house. He has his own house, or you're talking Thomas about he still works for that. Thomas renting guy. a house. Oh, okay, all right, okay, okay, um, gotcha. So, uh, so he and Lucilla have three kids. Now, Lucilla is a really good seamstress, which makes her valuable, which makes Thomas constantly worry that her owner say, yeah. would get into money trouble and sell her because she's worth a lot. Right. So right. one day he's working on the docks, and he, he, at this point he has men working under him. He's got like a little business going. Wow. He's paying dudes. He's bringing in money. And a neighbor comes, and he says, your wife and kids have been sold. And if you want to see him oh, again, fuck. you have to go immediately. So he runs home. And the new owner is there. His name is Moore. And he said to Thomas, quote, well, old man, are these your wife and children? And Thomas said, yes. And he said, quote, well, I bought them. <sighs> I just want to point out uh, that the Florida school books say that uh, slaves learned stuff. They picked up skills. So Thomas asked if more, he goes, will you sell them to my master, Holmes? Uh, And Moore says, quote, oh, no, I've bought your wife for a seamstress and I can't let her go. And he pleads. He's like, the kids. Do it for the kids. And Moore's like, no. So um, they're having this conversation as they're walking to the boat where he's never going to see his wife again. And as they're walking to the boat, all of the other slaves find out she's been sold. And they're coming down to say hi to, bye to her. Right? They're saying their goodbyes to this person mm-hmm. they've known their whole life. And Moore is just fucking furious. And he's like, stop talking to these people. Like, he doesn't even want them to say goodbye and they get to the dock and Holmes is there and he offers to buy the family and Moore says they're not available for any price and Holmes says how about a thousand dollars and he goes no and Holmes looks at him and says I would never split up a family and then Moore's like whatever and then Holmes says that I did what I could do and the kids are crying and they separate as they pass his son to the first mate. Thomas sees the first mate is crying. So there's, there's different versions of people here, right? There's the terrible, there's the terrible people who have zero empathy. And then there's people who are part of the system who have empathy, can't do anything or won't do anything. It's a, it's a fucked Mm -hmm. up. It's just the craziest shit. So, yeah. The next day, Holmes goes to see Moore, and he offers him $1,400. And again, he's like, no, I'm not selling. And off his wife goes and his kids. Uh, and after a month, oh. he, Thomas writes a letter to Lucilla in Tuscaloosa, and he gets no answer. A couple months later, he writes another one. No answer. And then he gets, he's suspicious. He's like, maybe they're not giving her the letters. So he gets a white guy writing under his name to see if he will get a response. There's no answer. So then he gets Holmes to write the postmaster in Tuscaloosa and ask, what's up? The postmaster writes back and says, there's no person named Moore in Tuscaloosa. That guy doesn't live here. And he never has lived here. Mm. So the guy bought them and 
lied about where he lived and where he was going. Right. Right. He's very grateful to have homes as, you know, to be home slaves opposed to other people. And he said, at heart, he's an abolitionist. He had inherited most of his slaves. Um, He said their bondage was nominal. Um, He had... he. He didn't even live on the plantation. Holmes put another slave in charge of the plantation to run. And he, that guy managed it and then would just send the profits to home. So essentially, like the slaves were just doing their thing on this plantation, um, you know, having the best Still life. horrible, but just that better, they could have under the circumstances, right, yeah, right? right? Like that's what we're talking about. Yeah, right, right. So Thomas starts leading religious services for slaves. He's got a really good speaking voice. He is, he's got a powerful speaking voice. And, um, now he's super into, you know, religion and converting people. He starts inviting local slaves to services. He's holding a meeting one night and a patrol shows up. So a patrol is what became cops. There's two kinds of cops. There's the cops from the north, which were protect property, and there's the cops from the south, who were, what are the slaves doing? Let's beat them and kill them. And we've sort of formed, we've sort of brought the best of all of that together. Yeah, now. that's right, we, and put it into one thing. Yeah, so the patrols are the origin of, of police departments. So what they would do is they would cruise around at night looking for slaves off their plantations without permission, or holding religious meetings without permission. And they're allowed mm. to whip the slaves who are breaking the rules. So this patrol shows up and they're obviously freaked out. And the leader is a guy named Captain Pope. And he goes up to Thomas and he goes, are there any strange Negroes inside? And Thomas said, my master allows these meetings. And he also said, tell anyone who interfered that he can take care of his own plantation and he doesn't need anybody doing anything like this. And then Thomas tells a boy mm-hmm. he, that's there, he goes, run to the master's house and get him and bring him. And when the patrol heard this, they took off. So when okay. Thomas learned, wow. when, when Holmes learns what happens, he uh, goes to Captain Pope and he says, keep your fucking patrol off my plantation. Your patrol never goes on my plantation again. You're forbidden. It's also strange that a pope is trying to break up any religious ceremonies. Right? That's the... Um, yeah. Okay. So he's... I mean, that's... It's strange. He's, um, it's strange. He's protecting the people the best yeah. he can, I guess. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean... Yeah. Thomas really super appreciated uh, Holmes because mm-hmm. he had had the opposite, right? He had had yeah. Jones. He already knew what the worst was. Yep. On another occasion, Thomas goes to a meeting on someone else's plantation. He's walking there, and the patrol stops him. And they go, we need your pass. And Thomas forgot his pass. So they order him to take off his shirt, and they tie him to a tree, and they whip him 15 times, because that's what they could do by law. What a fucking crazy... Oh, my God. Crazy. 15 hits by law. Random white assholes, by law, can whip someone if they don't have a note. It's the fucking craziest shit. It's just the 15, evil uh, is off the There's a limit, charts. yeah. The evil is just off the it's fucking very, charts. It's so, just strange to regulate evil. Yeah. Every single hit drew blood. So then, after he got whipped, he goes to the meeting still 
Thomas, quote, we had a really good meeting that day. Wow. So four years have passed since his wife were taken away, and he's like, I don't want to live alone anymore. And he's back on the market. He's looking for a lady. Um, He meets and falls in love with Mary Moore. And he pays $48 a year to her owner to be able to... Um, so she's basically free, essentially. I mean, not completely, but he's like leasing okay. her, I guess is how you look at it. Um, so he does that for three years. He pays for her to be able to do what she wants. Um, they have a kid who's a slave because his mom's, right, his mom's a slave. So if you're born to a mother who's a slave, you're owned by the guy that owns the mother. Okay. But he can't, he's like, I can't lose another wife. I can't fucking go through this again. So he starts saving up money with the goal of buying his wife. So they make a box and they put a hole in the top and they just put money in it. Any extra money they have, five cents, a dollar, whatever. They just keep putting money inside the box. Um, Now, white patrols would swing by whenever they wanted. So they dug a hole and hid the box in it. He was always worried that when he dropped a coin in the box, someone would hear it and steal it. Mm-hmm. After 20 months, they take, they take the box out of the ground and they open it up. Um, it's short. They need $350 to buy her. I don't know how short it was, but it's short. So he goes to a white friend, and the white friend loans Thomas the rest of the money, and he buys his wife. So she's now free. It's just, it's very hard to regulate emotionally where you feel about <laughs> some of that, but obviously it's good, but it's also I like. I mean, there's small, you know. like within the system of horrifying oppression, there's small victories. Yeah. There's small yeah. victories. You know, I there know, just yeah. are. Yeah. So yeah. now they can have kids and those kids are free. So that is right. the relief of that. Huge. I mean, essentially he's broken yeah. the cycle that his parents were like, we can't, our kids will be taken away. He's broken that yeah. cycle. Um, so they have three kids that are free children. So they have one child that is not free and three that are free. Um, he's still saving money and now he decides he wants to buy property. But the problem is a black guy can't own property. Right. So he gets a white guy to do it. Yeah. Well, you can't just let anyone own anything in this era, Dave. Good Lord. I mean, it's, Yeah. I mean, what would that mean? That would mean... <sighs> so let me get this straight. You own me, I can't own a house. That's right. <laughs> yes. I told you not to open Jumanji, didn't I? So he asked a white guy he knows to buy the property. So this white guy, he gives the okay. white guy money. The guy buys his cabin and two other houses. They're all, but they have to be in the white guy's name because Thomas can't own property. Right. So in the winter of 1848, a woman comes and tells Thomas that some men are plotting to take Mary and the kids and enslave them again. Oh, shit. Because that's just like free money to them, right? If they can grab her and hustle her off to Kentucky and sell her, then it's all fine. Ugh. So she's like, you got to get out of the South. You got to get so- them out of the South. Get them to a free state in the north as quick as you can. Thomas goes to a lawyer, um, and he's like, my, my family's not safe. And he goes, look, they're not going to be unless the legislature 
specifically emancipates them. And this guy, this lawyer, is a member of the House of Representatives in the state. So he uh, he puts a bill forward in the legislature to just get Mary and her kids emancipated. And the legislature's like, fuck off. We're absolutely, that's crazy. And some guys are like pissed. Like, what are you doing? Come on. Come on. Well, this is not how we do things. We're white. So, so Thomas is now super determined to get them north. He's like, I'm getting them north. Um, he's working on loading ships and he's keeping his eye out for someone who will help him out. Uh, and then he comes across a captain who says he'll take him to New York. Um, so he takes them to the ship in the middle of the night. He pays the captain $25 and then he goes and sits in the dock until sunset when he sees the ship pull out and leave. And then he has to wait days, right? He's in total terror because he, you know, mm-hmm. fucking putting your family, black people, on a fucking sh- Anything could happen to them. Yeah. There's no laws that are going to fucking help yep. them. Um, but then he has a friend in Brooklyn, and that Brooklyn sends word that his family arrived, and they're staying with Robert H. Cousins, um, and no slaveholders are going to trouble him. He tells Mary to write to him to make it seem like she was just on a trip and would, could come back. This was in case, this is the part where it gets a little confusing. So this is a place where his owner, in case his owner asked about her. Holmes. Holmes, I think it's Holmes. Thomas thought his owner would be angry if he knew that his family left. Okay. And because he knew that Thomas would try to escape. Right. Okay. So he goes and he goes, he goes to the guy who owns his houses. He goes, I need you to sell the houses. I need money. And the white guy, the white guy's like, nah. And so for three months, he goes, I need money. And the guy's like, yeah, it's, um, it's mine. So what are you going to do? Nice. Um, so he's been totally conned. He, at this point, he has to go see his owner every day because he believes Thomas is going to run away. So he wants to see him every day so he knows he hasn't mm-hmm. fled. But then Holmes becomes ill. And he's really sick in bed, and Thomas is like, this is my shot. So he goes to a ship, and he makes a deal with a ship steward to stow him away, right, hide him on board, and it's a ship headed for New York. Mm-hmm. And he pays the guy $8, which is all the money he had. So he puts him in the hold, but the hold is full of turpentine. Ugh. The f- so, so after a day, he's like, I'm actually going to die. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, God. And the steward takes him out because he's like, okay, uh, quote, in a state of great weakness and stowed me away in one of the staterooms. But it didn't take long for the captain to find him. And the captain's like, I'm going to charge you with being a runaway slave. Really smells like turpentine. (laughs) Also, what have you been doing? It's a strong, strong turpentine smell coming from here. Are we taking paint off? Um, he tells he tells Thomas he's going to send him back the first chance he gets. Um, so the same day the captain says that, a huge storm hits. And for days, winds, winds just push the ship off course. Thomas should have been like, I told, don't fuck with me. I told you. Yeah, I, he, yeah you should have standed at, like, stood at the hull and just been like, I command ye! <laughs> this turpentine man has the power of the seas. So 
during that time that the ship is sort of drifting, he tries to ingratiate himself. He cooks for the crew. And then when the storm finally subsides, they make for port. and they Soup anchor. tastes a lot like turpentine, doesn't it? Am I the <laughs> only one who's not... tasted a lot of turpentine in this dude? Why is Tom passed out? <laughs> and blue. Why did he ring the bell and said, it's turpentine? <laughs> <laughs> so they, they anchor the ship off New York. Um, it's about a mile offshore. Okay. He's super on edge that the captain's going to send him back to the south um and the captain and the first mate get in a little dinghy and they go to shore to do business and thomas is like this is my fucking chance so he dude sorry very very quickly very quick when you said they get into a little dinghy i thought that was i was like so they get into an argument i was like this little (laughs) like sort of ding up fight they get in a little dinghy okay all right so they go to shore for some business so thomas looks around and gets, like, loose boards that are around on the ship. And he gathers them up, and he ties this them guy. together. Uh-huh. This guy's fucking relentless. You're not going to stop him. Uh, I mean, it's <laughs> unreal. Not. It's unreal. You're not stopping this guy. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is unreal. So he ties together these planks and then uses it as a, as a raft and starts paddling. He gets about a quarter of the distance to the shore, and then one of the mates or crewmen or whoever, the guy who's in charge of the ship, sees him and starts pursuing him in the boat. And then Thomas realizes the ship's after him, and he, he starts waving his hat around. And a boat sees him and swings around, and they ask if he's a slave. And they're like, do not be afraid. We are friends. We're going to protect you. And he goes, yes, this is what's going on. I'm escaping. Right. So they take him on board and the ship comes around and they tell the the mate in charge that if he comes on board their ship, they're going to have him arrested and prosecuted. So the guy gives up. And then uh, they take Thomas to shore. They take him to Robert Cousins' house where he's reunited with his family. Quote, the meeting with my wife and children, I cannot describe. It was a moment of joy too deep and holy for any attempt to paint it. Holy shit, the stress. They fucked, right? Uh, Dave, Dave. I mean, it's sexy time. It's definitely. There's always got to be a sex scene in the movie. I would imagine it. Wow, I don't, I don't. Let's just enjoy the moment if we can. So days later, he he preaches in Brooklyn. And now he, everyone's like, holy shit, this guy can fucking preach. And he goes on like a preaching tour. Um, his, stun, his story is one that abolitionists want to get out. Uh, so preaching right. also leads to... So when he preaches in a church, people give him donations. And so he starts making decent money for his family. Um, but then he's there for a little while. And then the fugitive slave law is passed. So he can once again be captured. Right. So he's not safe. And a bunch of his friends are in the same, same boat. So they head north to Canada, which is British territory. Um, where they are safe. And he he stays there for four years. And in 1854, he comes back to America. He said, when John Brown was hung at Harper's Ferry for, quote, so-called treason, 
I felt that I could discern the beginning of the end. Uh, mm-hmm. At this point, he's a very popular abolitionist speaker. He wrote his life story in the book, The Experience of Thomas Jones. And he spoke at the 1859 New England Colored Citizens Convention in Boston and urged black Americans to militantly strike for liberty. In 1854, uh, when he was 84, sorry, when he was 84, he died in 1890 as a free dude. God damn. God, there's so much. I couldn't do that. Oh, there's just no way. That's that's like, that's not, I mean, there's so... That is the will that I, I mean. I've even said it before. Like, I mean, you'll just you just kind of be like, yeah, whatever. It's my time, whatever. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. the fact that he. I mean, there's just so much to that. There's so much horrible to the system that he had to fight against, got betrayed by, and still was able to make his way through. Um, and yeah, I mean. You know, there's a couple people who just weren't the world's biggest assholes who kind of gave, like, a lily pad here and there. But that is just the story of someone who just, like, had the fight that just... You just... You need that. I mean, that's that's so important to... the, the to breaking systems. I mean, I you, there's so many that... There's so much stuff that's applicable to that, but it almost belittles the will and the courage of an individual to even try to make comparisons and shit like that. It's just a relentless pursuit of freedom and justice that just, I don't know. I don't, (laughs) I don't know. Crazy. Crazy. I mean, look, I wanted to do this episode because of what they're doing in Florida and they're going to do in all the Southern states. Yeah. Because the vein of the Mr. Jones is still alive there. Uh, but yeah. like, you know, passing these, passing these, you know, approval of, of fucking school books that say that, you know, slaves were yeah. fine and learned shit is you are the craziest, most evil asshole that can be around. Like you are a vile fucking evil monster if you want yeah. that to be in a history book. Yeah, I mean, it's it like when you well, you listen to the will and the fight of someone like that, and you're like, so those legislatures or those people can't. Their fight is so little that they can't just allow a story to be told. They don't even have the spine for that. Where this guy does all that, they don't want. Well, number one, they want to be above everybody else. That's white supremacy, but also like. How dare anybody say anything bad about white people? I mean, that's really what they're fucking getting. Yeah. To. How dare you? Well, they've there's there's been that attitude a lot. I mean, the amount of times when you know, whenever reparations or things like that get sort of brought up, and um, you know, I mean, like people like Mitch McConnell who will just be like, "Well, look, I didn't hold slaves, so why should I have to pay for?" You know, yeah. It, it's just there is a constant. And, and again, I mean, I even remember when I was going through school sort of hearing versions of it where it's like, 
let's just move on. Let's just move on. And clearly that is not the plan because clearly white people still have just such major issues with it and it's sort of humming to a new in a new direction when you want to portray slavery as beneficial to to some slaves which is yeah. just would seem it seems impossible and yet here we are where that is going to be something that is comfortably taught well in, in this school. story in this story there is a there is a a woman she's a slave uh, she actually has skills and that leads to her being separated from her husband forever yeah right like that there's your right. fucking skills that's where that led her yeah what is the what is and also in this story is again this is how you know that it is purely race based because if you wanted you could frame this story as the will of freedom of an American. <laughs> but yeah. that will never be... That won't be what it is because, because, he's, not, because he's black. And because yeah. that just... It is. It is the, the constant hold in this country to just pretend the original sin was just... Not even the original sin, but just pre- to pretend that this was not only okay... Not only in the past, but now kind of a positive. It's so fucking gross, man. Yeah, it's unreal. I hope you're happy. And it's a lot like what I went through for the Barbie film. It is a lot like that, for sure. Yeah. It's very similar. The the idea that the the idea that because I went to that movie and I threw Barbie on a grill and all of a sudden people are are telling me that 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 that, that was something that was I I literally was a slave of YouTube for about two days. Jesus fuck. There you go. There you go. We did it. Did you do sources? Oh uh, well, the source is him. Um. Oh well, there you go. Yeah, The Experience of Thomas H. Jones, who was a slave for 43 years by Thomas H. Jones. Man, crazy. What an amazing, what an amazing man. I don't know what I feel, but (laughs) real, real, real cocktail of emotion over here. I mean, we all know what it is. It, it's okay for two white dudes to talk about it. It's okay for two black dudes to talk about it. It's okay for everybody to fucking talk about it as long as you're not saying it's fine and they learn skills and shit. Like, it's okay for everybody oh, yeah. to fucking talk about it. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, this is this, this truly is the, the only way to, uh, you know... I mean, it's what this podcast has done for people when we go do shows, they talk about it. I mean, you know, we... You know, I mean, it is. This is the this is the stuff that actually matters, and it's the only way. It's the only minor antidote to what you're what you're talking about in Florida and, and what's coming for a lot of places is to you know fight the battle of information as best as you possibly can because they're they're just here to to completely fucking brainwash, and that is the goal. And so the yep. more people that talk about it, the better. Because that's the only way to, like, try to hold on to it. Yep. All right. There you go. 
Good night, Gareth. Good night. Good night, Gareth.